This episode was brought to you by Patchwork Girl and Friends Podcast. The Patchwork Girl and Friends Podcast is where they have interesting conversations about the art, media, life, the universe, and everything, but mostly movies. Also brought to you by Dungeon Draws on YouTube. And also Farsha Effect Community Zine. Check them out on Instagram, link in the description box below, as well as Must Art Mondays Art Meetup. Instagram link down in the description box below as well. We upload episodes every Saturday, and Hump Day PSA episodes are on Wednesdays. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, share, and subscribe. Welcome to Third Paradigm. We are your hosts, Clarity and Nuance. Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The host and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking. We here at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, hosts and guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm. However, when we the hosts share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because we believe in practicing integrity. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So, what's today's episode, Clarity? Today's episode is going to focus a lot on creativity, um, both like the abstract concept of it and also diving into the different industries, focusing a lot on creativity in the sense of business to the arts. Awesome, awesome. So, we have a big panel of guests today. We have Jamila here, we have Carla, Kendra, Lama, Eli, and Jess. Thank you all for coming. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank yeah. you. All right, ladies. You? Yes, so we have an icebreaker question. Um, and in the spirit of creativity, we're going to have one that's going to be a little, uh, how would I say, a little, a little out of the ordinary. So the icebreaker question is, if you could send something to the moon, what would it be? And that is open to the floor. I'll take that one. And who are you? This is, uh, this is Carla. Um, oh, thank you, I would send up a protective force field around every astral body that humans have their minds set on messing with because if humans keep met, trying to mess with the moon they're going to mess up the earth because of the gravity and all that that's tied together between the two so i would put up a force field around the moon so that people can't land on it or mess with it mm. uh, that that is wow that was, thank you. That was a great answer. I never thought about <laughs> it. Because that will mess up our water. That'll mess up our tides. That'll mess up everybody's electromagnetic aura. That'll mess up a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good answer. All right, next. Uh, this is Eli. I go by Keith Him. Um, I had a left. Uh... <laughs> My apologies. Uh, I thought we had an all-female panel. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that is all right. Um, but I, uh, would have a, a less, uh, deep <laughs> idea. I was thinking some kind of, uh, reflective gemstone because the sun, uh, reflects its light off the moon. That's how we get the moon's light. And so, you know, it would be interesting to look at it. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. A lot. Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, next. Uh, this is Kendra. Uh, I really like the answer so far. I guess mine is boring. I'd like to send myself to the moon just for a day. I would love Ooh. to experience jumping on the moon, but I would like it to be just a day trip. Ooh, I like that answer. <laughs> Me too. Actually, I would like that too. And maybe you could put a maybe we could finally put an end to all the questions about did we ever really make it to the moon? <laughs> and you could you could also ask the question: Is the Earth flat or is the Earth round? Because it's not just the experts and some very 
elites and rich folks saying it. I'm a, per a regular everyday person, so I, I like that answer. All right, next. Um, this, is, this is Jamila, and I think I would send a time capsule. I know this is probably an already done before, but I just think it would be cool to update it or something and do one of 2020 to 2021 and see what it's like some years from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that uh, 2020 will be a very, 2020 will be a very good year to send tigers. Like, this is what the earth is really all about. And as my wife has been saying, 2021 is really kind of like 2020.2 right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think that'd be great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what 2021 will be after 2020. I mean, it really was 2020 vision about what humanity is. So the time capsule, is always, I think, a good one. All right, next. I'm Lila, and I would just like to send the moon some blueberry pie. Aww. I just, Aww. I just like the moon to eat some pie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's always a good, there's always a good excuse for cake and pie. So I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Why blueberry? Why blueberry in Pacific, specifically? I don't know. It just struck me as the most comforting pie. Because blueberry pie sounds really good right now. And I do love blueberries. There's like a little bit of tang and a little bit of, I mean, it's a, like apple pie is great, but everybody's like, oh, American apple pie. And a pie should also be like more than just us, because not everything is about us. So like, mm. I don't know. Blueberries are super comforting and like have all the flavors and are delicious. They are. And blueberries. And blueberry and sugar just goes really well together for some reason. It just really does. All right, cool. All right. And uh, got one last person. Uh, Jess, what do you think? I am blanking. Um, the only thing I can think of is a Bernie meme because I, I don't know. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how appropriate for this week, the burning meme, yes. <laughs> just sitting down the moon, just looking at everything like, yeah. That is a beautiful answer. <laughs> that is a really good answer. And he's in the coat with the mittens. So, you know, that is a, wow. I love it. I love it. That's a good answer. All right. Thank you, everybody. I, I love the creativity. I love the creativity. Thank you. Me too. Uh, Wonderful answers, just wonderful. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to have you start off, Clarity, uh, with question number one. All right. So question number one is, what industries or hobbies do you enjoy expressing yourself in creatively? creatively? Anything from the arts to business strategy? And I'm going to direct this question to Eli. Yeah. Um, well, I... Uh, always strive to be in a creative field. Um, I originally moved down to where I am now uh, for an acting job. Um, so I, I do like to express myself uh, with physicality and acting, um, singing and all those things, but uh, my true passion is uh, illustration and concept work, uh, which is uh, kind of what I'm doing right now. And I'm working on a big art project with a couple of people um, to just you know, use our creativity and hopefully go somewhere. But if not, it's just for us. And that's, that's kind of what creativity is for me. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. It is now open to the floor. I totally, this is Jenny Love speaking, sorry. Um, I totally agree with you when finding like a career that feeds your creativity spark because I'm the same way. I'm a pastry chef by trade and with that, you have to really learn how to make things look appetizing and pretty. And um, I just love my job, but of course with that, I love drawing too. So it's just kind of like a beautiful dance between like the two and just always creating. That is excellent. That is really excellent. We still got about four minutes on this question. If anybody would like to jump in on this. Well, I'd sure. really like to hear. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm Lama, and uh, as far as uh, 
hobbies creatively. I like to write. I like to dabble in storytelling and um, poetry um, and just general words. Um, also, I like to draw and sketch. Uh, as far as where um, industry is concerned, um, I kind of like to try to make sure that what I'm doing professionally isn't exactly the same as what I do creatively for my soul and my spirit because it can be very easy to get drained doing that and then coming home and then having, you know, trying to find the time. But I, I do feel like it's important to try to engage ourselves creatively in as many ways as possible and to have something stimulating um, at work if, if your work isn't the same thing as what you're doing with your heart and spirit. So, yeah, but I mean, it's just fun to try everything and experiment, and um, I'm trying to get into, like, weaving, who's kind of fun, um, a little bit of jewelry making, and just, I think the most important thing is to, you know, try to find things that will surprise you and engage you and have you, um, you know, following questions and, and such. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that answer, and I really love how you say you have to have something that Yes, you enjoy is doing like a business and then something just kind of for your spirit and your soul because you don't want to just kind of like get drained. I think that's really good to do. Like, do you have a quick example of what that life is like? Sure. Um, I was just editing and um, I, I do love, I mean, I have, um, you know, professional and academic background and training in writing and editing and technical writing. But um, when I spend all day you know, editing and, and, you know, looking at how to refine something. I, I do really enjoy that, but that, there's that part of me that loves to tell stories and loves to experiment with stories and capturing the magic of a moment and letting out whatever it is I'm dealing with um, through words. And so sometimes I find that, um, uh, I mean, there's only so much, I, I don't know, like I, I don't um, want to be so, I want to do both. But I want to make sure that I, I'm giving myself time and space to do both. If, if you're going you know, to spend eight hours on a screen, then, you know, spend eight more hours on a screen when you get home. Um, that's a lot of time on a screen. So hmm. I think it's more try to have balance and um, just make sure that you can give yourself space to cultivate joy in your creativity. Because not everything has to be a hustle either. I think mm -hmm. there's something... It's, it's just it's so, like, this creativity, like, that we have in all of us brings us joy. It's, it brings other people joy, and that, just, that shouldn't have to have, like, a dollar amount attached necessarily. I mean, it's, that's one thing when you're trying to, you know, make a living and just the practicality of surviving and being compensated according to the whole other discussion. But if we could, you know, have a society and a system where we didn't have to, like, you know, just, the whole capitalist-inspired segment that we live in, if, if that wasn't such a concern, I mean, how much more could we cry? I guess mm. that's it's sort of a conundrum we're all in. So, yeah, Excellent. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If, if I could just jump in for a second, um, that's actually kind of a, a conversation I've been having with a lot of people lately because in, in my personal um, situation, I was in a lot of creative jobs that, you know, kind of took a real big hit with this past year because, you know, performing and requires being in front of a lot of people, which we couldn't do. Um, but just the, the, the conversation of um, fulfillment and the fact that, like, a lot of our society puts um, the idea that you have to be fulfilled by your job and, um, you know, it's, it's Excellent. Thank you all for your responses. That was really, really good. So moving to number two, Noah? Uh, yes. Um, we have, how would you describe the concepts of creativity and the concept of innovation? How are they related? So how are they different? How are they related? And we're going to start with Jamila. Um, to me, the concept of creativity is um, expressing your soul, turning the intangible into tangible. And the concept of innovation is revolutionary. And that can be a speech, a painting, a, pole, a poem, or a dance. And it's something I think, especially in um, 
relation to society and movements, I think that's something that really gives voices to the voiceless and expresses people's anger and what they want to say. And, and uh, yeah, with that, I just think those are the best ways that they kind of compare together because you need creativity to sometimes get your point across and to say what you need to say in a powerful, beautiful way. Mm. That is good. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I, I really enjoyed that answer. Um, this open to the floor. Yeah, I actually want, if you could further some of those ideas of how does creativity and innovation work together. Um, my definition was kind of like creativity is the blueprint and innovation is, is, is the doing, but I, mm -hmm. I'd really like to hear what other people have to say. Um, and the, the original, uh, person who answered, how do they work together? Uh, this is Kendra, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. This is Jamila replying back. Um, so for example, um, especially during the, the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm sure we were all very aware of, we saw beautiful paintings, murals, poems being spoken during that time of something that was really um, just a, a tide turner as little as like uh, three, year, three or four years ago when uh, Black Lives Matter st uh, got started when we were dealing with the unfair shootings of black and brown people and so um with you know again with these poems and and speeches and artworks being done and even on instagram seeing some of the beautiful works that just spoke volumes just so much pain um being shown to really bring attention to the subject matter at hand and even going through history you know we can bring up plenty of photographs um, like the Great Depression of a woman like sitting amongst gravel with her ch child trying to figure out like what she's going to feed her child or, or, or do next. You know, things, art speaks volumes into what is going on in that time frame. And um, innovation, of course, is like by definition is re revolution to me. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it, it's revolutionary. <laughs> what do you mean by revolutionary? Like, like practically, like what is, what is the application? Cause I love the application you gave for creativity. Um, like when I think of the word innovation, um, it's just bringing about, hmm, let me see. <laughs> My brain's blinking at the moment, but with innovation, I just think of like, like engineering and just putting things into motion. Um, mm, okay. like with, with art that really engineers, you know, kind of like a movement and brings people together with imagery. Okay. You remind me of the book um, by W.E. Du Bois, The Souls of Black Folks. It's like every chapter started with the Negro spiritual, but then the book itself was kind of like the innovation in this context of moving people, mobilizing and organizing people. The book itself does. So thank you. Um, anyone else? This is Lana. Oh, I just well, kind of... that... oh, I'm so sorry. You know, please just go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, just to kind of add on to, uh, I believe it was your question, um, I, I kind of think that you can't really have one without the other. Um, to be innovative, you need to use creativity to come up with new solutions. Um, I, <laughs> the best example I can come up with this is like in um, my, my current day job. I'll, I'll always have to be thinking up like, you know, problems arise and so you have to use creativity to create a new solution um, and one that's hopefully innovative in the way that it's um, productive and that it, it creates a good workflow. Mm. 
Hmm. Awesome responses. I really like that one. I also wanted to do a little bit of a shout out. Uh, thanks, Kendra, for that idea of like creativity being the blueprint and innovation is the action. That's a really good way to look at that as well. Because it really does feel like both of those go hand in hand with each other very much so. Yeah, I kind of always um, thought that creativity is like something that's like original. And then like innovation is like the remix of like, like, a, of like, like a song in a sense. It's like you take that originality and you do it justice and then you kind of like build off of it. That's wonderful. So moving to number three, um, where do you feel the line between imitation is the highest form of flattery versus overt copying rests? And why do you feel this way? And I'm going to direct this one to Nama. Thank you. So as far as um, imitation being the highest or sincerest form of flattery, um, before I, I get into this, I want to say that we're all learning and we're all growing and we're all on a journey. And we've been placed in this, in this um, setting, I mean, like with school and stuff where um, we're taught that everybody should, you know, consult an expert. And that is true in, in the case of, you know, more practical things. But when it comes to being creative and being intuitive, listening to your gut and listening to your soul, I mean, that's something that, you know, um, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, being humble and being willing to learn and pick up things, but also trying to experiment and, and, and having fun with that. What, I mean, I think that people tend to be shy about imitation because they don't want to seem like they're copying somebody. But how will you grow if you don't place yourself in a situation where you'll try something that isn't what you would normally do? Um, I mean, let's say you see, and I, I think of, you know, back to writing, you see a poet's style. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will, will teach exercises that encourage you to imitate that style. Because the truth of it is, you know, even if you try to copy somebody, it's just not, unless like that's your specific skill set where you can make something look exactly like it, like that's not going to happen because you're your own person and that person is their own person. And we all have things that we share in common, but we still have something about each one of us that makes us unique. And so I would consider, you know, I would encourage people to try imitation as part of building their own process, but not necessarily stopping there. Because it can be treated as like a as a starting point to grow and then find more of your own style and discovering and expanding your own boundaries, you know, things that you wouldn't try previously as a launch pad for something new for yourself that could be more fun and experimental. Where where does it become overt copying or I mean plagiarism is something I think of. Like if you're gonna just take somebody else's thing and say that it's your own, like that's just not that's not being creative. That's that's, that's something that it's kind of sad. It, it does happen. Um, but I think that relates to something deeper, like that would need to be addressed within yourself of being comfortable with accepting your own voice and your own perspective and, and validating that. There's no need to, you know, take somebody else's work and say that it's your own. And then also, um, Going back for a second to imitation, let's say you do try to make something in the style of somebody else. That, that, that is going to happen in some cases where, like, you know, you have a lot of, there are a lot of people that will make some kind of, like, pop culture reference to something, you know, that they see that, that, that is an icon. And that's fine, right? Because it's an homage to something that, you know, that is known. There's, that's part of the message that's being conveyed. You know, you're not copying that directly, but you are alluding to the style. And that's, that's not the exact same thing. So um, I guess that's where I would stop for now. I just would encourage people to experiment and to try things outside of their comfort zone, knowing that you're not going to just stop, you know, right after, you know, you, you try something. You're going to keep going because you're having fun with it. And if you're not, then you'll, you know, try something else because why would you want to spend a lot of time doing something that you don't enjoy? So, yeah, I guess that's what I have to say about that. Wow, that is really in-depth, and it really does help kind of get the idea of exactly, because it really doesn't sound like there's really a line. Once it gets into plagiarism, that's where most people could agree, like, that's very obvious. But I like how you said it's uh, used as a springboard 
to kind of gain some inspiration. So thank you for sharing. We got about a minute left on the question, so it is open to the floor. Uh, uh, Eli again. Um, uh, I, I agree on a lot of those points. Um, they're on a very practical level, um, application to the question. I've had a lot of people ask me, like in illustration, how do you find your, your personal style? Um, it, it seems to be something that people get caught up on, on a lot. And um, I found that, you know, you find inspiration and in like, like what are the artists that you like the most? Um, and you, like there's nothing saying that you can't kind of borrow from that style, like my style is made up of certain pieces from different artists that I love. Um, and so, you know, you got to take inspiration to, to fuel your own creativity. Beautiful answers. Thank you all for sharing. That was really, really good. Um, so nuance, would you like to move on to the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for those answers. Uh, so. Question number four, why do companies and organizations need creativity? And we're going to start with Carla. Hello, thank you. Um, first off, I think a lot of companies um, and even individuals have a concept of creativity that's very limited. When people hear the word creativity, they tend to stereotype it as an artsy thing. So um, I think this is hard for a lot of people to grasp in terms of employees who do things that aren't typically called creative but yet really do require a lot of creativity. Um, basically, like, uh, you know, I, I work at a manufacturing company, I'm a technical writer, and I write the instructional documents for our customers and also for some of our personnel for how to do their jobs, uh, how to build certain products that we're, that we're manufacturing. And even though there's a set formula, just like I imagine um, uh, with Jamila being a pastry, pastry chef, there are certain things that you have to do a certain way, um, but then from there, you you make your, your product or your service distinctive by getting creative with the things that don't have to be some set formula you can't change. Like, for example, what I do, the instructions have to be done a certain way. There's a certain way of writing things with consistent language and very concrete to give how-to instructions. You can't be flowery or metaphorical or you want them to think or interpret, no, it has to be very concrete. But it also has to get their attention so that they're not going to look at, uh, like, say, let's say, we, you know, we've all gotten manuals for whether it's anything from a TV to your car or whatever, and it's all just text. Any images in it are really small and they don't have any color, and the font is really small, and it, you just you have a feeling that what you're holding in your hand really was just, as, as I say at my work, a check-the-box activity. Nobody really put any creativity or any thought into it. It was just, oh, we have to come up with an instruction manual because we're required to send that with our product. Nobody really put any passion into it. So when I'm doing a, an operation manual for one of our products, we build uh, custom semi-trailers that are basically portable buildings. It's, they're not freight trailers. They're actually finished off on the inside of buildings. They have workstations, computers, displays, all kinds of stuff in them. So I'm writing a, a an instruction manual for that fascinating product. So I like to make it appealing because a lot of people who, have, you know, who buy these things for mobile marketing or mobile office, whatever, they've never used one of them. They've never used a trailer before. So they're like kind of ambivalent about, okay, I don't want to break it. Um, and, you know, you don't want to give them this, this dry, boring-looking manual that's just going to make them glaze over where they're not really going to engage with it. So um, I take a lot of the photos myself, and I also work with our photographer, and we put together um, a manual. Granted, we don't make it look like a magazine or like a brochure, but at the same time, we, we put a lot of work into basically like what would classify as graphic design, basically making it look good. And that takes creativity with how you place the photos, how you use them, how you present the, um, the information with the photos, um, and then also like the cover design, the physical presentation of the, of the, uh, the manual. And um, so creativity in the product and also even in just discussions and like, you know, a boardroom or whatever, 
Um, creativity is like, it's like the soul of what you're doing. Like, let's say you have a certain plan, this is the direction we want our company to go in, or this is the product we want to produce. That's fine. Those are your, your physical realities. But creativity is like the soul that motivates people to, to actually turn that into something distinctive because any trailer company can make a trailer or any pastry shop can make a pastry, but it's the creativity that makes your trailer or your pastry or your whatever stand out. So that's where, um, that's where even, even if some people who have the same skill set, one of them is just going to seem better at it than the other. They're both equally qualified, but the one person is, is putting more of their soul into it than the other one who thinks that, oh, well, I have a degree. Anybody can do this. So that's where the creativity comes in to make the person, the product, the service stand out from all of the other options. Wow. Thank you. That was a very comprehensive answer. And I, 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 you did that question service. Um, this is open to the floor for anybody else. We got about a minute left on that one. Uh, just to reiterate on, on your point, um, talking about the structure um, with your job and still being creative, you're absolutely right because there's a technique, uh, like a certain way to do things, but how you make it digestible for the outside, for a reader, or for someone tasting a food, it's really important to know how to make it understandable for that person and using the right words for people to like really understand. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you, Jamila and Carla for the answers on that question. That was very, very well answered. So moving to question number five, um, according to the University of Manchester, training colleagues to be more creative is like teaching people to ride a horse or swing a golf club. You need to learn it by doing, not through reading a book. What are some of the best methods to train people for creativity in our education system, K through 12 slash skills trade slash college and university? Or do you feel that creativity is something that one cannot be trained in and why? And I'm going to direct this one to Kendra. Hey, okay. So I want to break this down into a couple different parts. Um, first, I want to say that it is my belief that creativity is a skill that anyone can develop or repair. I think everyone is born creative, and that is never something that um, we have to worry about. It's, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not creative, and, and I don't think that's true. But what I do believe is that creativity can be blocked. Um, so as far as talking about education... Uh, and, and I do got to say here, um, because of my upbringing, I probably have some radically different opinions about education because I was homeschooled. Um, and that's just a very different experience. And um, I want to break education into two parts uh, because I think children and adults deal with creativity differently. And what I think is with children, children need the opportunity to be creative. Um, so I think that children should be allowed to be bored. Um, my parents did not allow me to have a lot of screen time when I was a child. And I think that was beneficial to my creativity because I was forced to come up with things to do. And um, so my philosophy is to give children space to be creative. And now as far as how that actually works with education systems, I don't know. And when we open this up to the floor, I would love to hear other people's opinions. I think it's up to parents and teachers and people in the children's lives to give them that space. And then as far as adults, I have seen so many adults be blocked creatively. Um, I used to work at a place where uh, people could come in to paint pottery. And it was fascinating and sad to me because 
um, people would come in with their children and their children were so excited and would go, I want to paint that cup. I want to paint it pink. I want this paint. I want this brush. And they would just do it. And the parents, some parents would actually end up talking to me about how nervous they were there. I'm not creative. I don't know what to do. What if it doesn't turn out? Meanwhile, their child is just painting. So what I've come up with for adults, especially those who have been blocked creatively, they need a safe place. They need a place where they can feel supported and that they can feel safe to explore creativity. Um, and that's what I have to say about that. I am really curious what other people um, have for this one. So let's just open up the floor. Yep, we got about two minutes for that one. So it's open to the floor for anybody. This is Jenny. Yeah, I have uh, Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Popular question. <laughs> so I teach college and, um, you know, because uh, Kendra's focusing on, um, you know, mainly uh, creativity and children. And, I mean, I absolutely agree that creativity should be encouraged and fostered in kids. Um, but in my perspective, teaching adults, you know, I often get that I'm not creative. Um, and I teach art history and interdisciplinary humanities. So um, I strongly believe that um, teaching critical thinking is the gateway to creativity. And so um, what I do is, um, whether I'm teaching online or in person, I assign graded assignments and discussions that require um, some form of uh, critical thinking. So for instance, in the American Studies class that I'm teaching this semester, um, in fact, this week, I'm going to have my students analyze Frederick Douglass's speech, What to the Slave is the Fourth of July. And after analyzing the written, the written text, they're going to watch um, one recitation by James Earl Jones and another by Danny Glover, and then they're going to proceed to answer discussion questions. Um, so, of course, since Douglas gave the speech before the invention of audio recording, students have to imagine what his original vocal tone was. Was it thoughtful? Was it angry? Was it more conversational? Um, and then they're going to have to discuss whether it was Jones's recitation or Glover's recitation that came closer to their expectations. Um, after that, they're going to compare their associations of the holiday, July 4th, to what Douglas and other enslaved people might have thought of the holiday, um, as well as how the speech is still relevant today. And um, so this is going to be incredibly relevant with, uh, with Black Lives Matter um, going on. And for extra credit, they're going to have the opportunity to take, I don't know if you all have seen um, Kimberly Jones's speech, How Can We Win, uh, which was uh, recorded just days after the murder of George Floyd. And um, even if students only had to figure out what Douglas's speech means or what Jones's speech means, their analysis would have to um, would have to um, involve critical thinking. However, um, comparing the 19th century speech to the 21st century speech, um, as well as bringing other um, current issues in like uh, police brutality and systemic racism, shows them the relevance of um, past artifacts and the fact that we sometimes need to look to the past and ask ourselves how to, how we can apply what was created in the past um, to current problems. But it's definitely that critical thinking and that uh, basically that, that sharpening of the critical thinking skills that can often be that gateway into creativity for adults for that, you know, who have had that creative impulse suppressed for so long. Excellent response. Thank you so much. And that was definitely a pretty popular question. So thank you all for sharing perspectives and views when it comes to implementing creativity into our education system. So Nuance, would you like to move on to number six? Yes, and thank you, Jess, for that, for that comprehensive answer. And we're going to the next question, which is, how should society build a culture of creativity? That's, and then the follow-up questions are, does the government system in countries have a role to play or, and if they do, should or should it not? 
and we're going to continue with you, Jess. Okay, so um, again, I'm going to have to piggyback uh, from what Kendra was saying because, um, well, for starters, what we need to do is return the arts and the humanities to K through 12 education and renormalize the creative spark into adolescence and adulthood. So, um, you know, you don't have to have children to know how inherently creative they are. Um, just thinking about my own childhood, um, I feel grateful that my parents and extended family were always buying me art supplies and journals and encouraging me to express my creativity. Um, additionally, my aunt is an artist and a retired art teacher, so even if I wanted to, I could not escape creativity. Um, unfortunately, however, for most people, by middle school, conformity starts to rear its ugly head. Uh, this can be through peer pressure, um, through teachers reinforcing false dichotomies to their students, um, or by parents telling their kids that they're never going to succeed by being a visual artist or being a poet. And um, this is also compounded by this emphasis on STEM fields at the expense of the arts and humanities. Um, and if there was one thing that stuck with me um, through grad school, it's that the humanities and the sciences are often interdependent. Um, using my own example, uh, when I was writing my dissertation, I had to rely on uh, late 18th and 19th century evolutionary uh, biology and apply that to the um, to the paintings that I was analyzing and it really opened up my my mind to um, to exactly how much science was influencing the artists of the, of, uh, the 19th century um, on the flip side uh, we have studies showing that creative engagement like producing visual art or playing um, a musical instrument leads to improved performance in math and science so, um, you know, absolutely, through education, this is how we can begin to uh, build a culture of creativity. And, yes, the government absolutely has a role to play, um, especially through public education, but also through public arts programs, you know, kind of like what they had um, during the New Deal, which was how Jackson Pollock basically got started um, in his career. Um, so, yes, this is an absolutely crucial way that, um, that we can begin to build a culture of creativity. Thank you. Thank you so much for the answer, and this is open to the floor. Uh, I really liked what you were saying about the, uh, the, the science part of uh, creativity and everything because uh, one thing that I always say is that magic is just science that we haven't discovered yet. Uh, <laughs> but um, I definitely agree that it's, it's something that every society needs because I think creativity plays a major role in uh, morale. Um, if, if everything's just kind of one specific way and, uh, you know, everything's just great, then you're going to lose motivation and then, you know, <laughs> things just kind of fall through the cracks when, when nobody has the morale to do anything. Thank you for sharing that, Eli. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We've got about two minutes left on this question, so it's still open to the floor. This is Lana, and I I love um, like both um, both of you have said so far, and I want to add that I feel that our society um, I, I, it's not whole it's not whole rant about um, but not just a rant. I mean it's it's real. This whole thing where um, we undervalue uh, the arts in in our society, but still have a very heavy entertainment industry, which needs um, artists and, and, and creatives to keep that running. Although I also want to add that, I mean, creativity doesn't just have to, you know, it, it doesn't just exist in, in you know, like the, the arts and, and um, you know, and writing and, and, and what we would traditionally identify as creative disciplines. I mean, there's creativity in everything that we do. It's problem solving and it's a survival skill. But we, I feel like in, in our current society, we we don't really value creativity enough unless you know um it's, it's something that you you utilize in, in like a professional setting but in a social in a social way it's, it's like people expect it 
but but then just also we we get a lot of messages. So I mean, every what everyone has said so far about um, like uh, in relation to creative blocks and um, receiving messages that your creativity might not be considered valuable. That that's something that personally um, really hits home for me. Although I'm, I'm grateful to know a lot of people who are supportive in a creative community, but I, I do think that we have the opportunity to, you know, to encourage others to, to keep on creating. Something that I used to do um, back home uh, was teach um, these, these, these um, creative uh, workshops for the libraries and that was really fun and really rewarding because I could go around to different libraries and meet people I would, I would never meet otherwise from all walks of life around around the community who wanted to just try something something new and explore this side of them that we've been told isn't necessarily as valuable, but it's what enriches life. It's what provides vivacity and color to our lives. It's what keeps things from being drab and oatmeal. It's it's what makes things interesting and engaging. And then, um, I'm so sorry, but the question of does the government system have a role to play and should it? Um, I think to an extent, it, it, it is kind of complicated and, and I, I would rather defer to somebody who, who knows more info on that topic, but, but I would say that, you know, I mean, it's important for us to have programs that encourage community art and that make art accessible to everybody, not just you know, like this elite whole thing with like the galleries and, and whatever. But um, there's also art that challenges society and challenges the government. And so I don't think that any one entity should have an entire monopoly on what we want to define as creative. But thank you. Absolutely. Thank you all for sharing. Yeah. That was really, really good answers on that one. That was very you good. Hit the nail on the head. Yeah, seriously, I'm tired of elite. We don't, the arts are not productive, but all the rich people send their kids to learn how to play instruments and and and, and draw. I've, made, I've said this many times, so thank you. Um, so I think we got the last question, uh, Clarity. Yep, and this one is open to the floor, so it's our wrap-up question. So before we get to that, we again want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts here at Third Paradigm for all of you taking the time out coming in today. Um, thank you so much, Jamila, Carla, Kendra, Lama, Eli, and Jess for sharing your perspectives, talking a lot about creativity. So last question that we have is describe your experience with sharing perspectives today and name one thing that somebody else said today that touched you. This is Jamila. Um, I just want to say that there was so much said today that really resonated with me, um, especially when it comes to nurturing um, children's creativity and um, yeah, I just think it's really important, and I think it's something that needs to be continued into adulthood. And I feel like in some small ways, there's effort being put into that with, you know, adult coloring books and painting with a twist, if if there's anything like that in you guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think slowly but surely it's being incorporated into society. I know in my city, they have street uh, street pianos and murals and from local artists and I think that's such a beautiful thing to see but of course you know as and I, I think it also depends on the city as well that you're in because not so many cities are happy with street art and everything like that but um, yeah I think it's definitely something that depending on where you are in the world is definitely being uh, nurtured and, and slowly spreading and becoming a part of the city landscape. Thank you for sharing with that one. And I've seen that too with some of those um, street pianos. Those are really, really cool. I like that. This is Kendra. And uh, I really enjoyed being here and listening to everyone. And I want to say the thing that probably uh, touched me the most tonight is hearing about how critical thinking can be a gateway to helping adults uh, get into creativity. Um, creative recovery is something that's very important to me. And I had never thought about something so like solid as critical thinking as being something that can help adults become creative. So I uh, thank you for that perspective. 
And also I wanted to add, this is Jamila, of how creativity and art really helps heal a lot of um, mental health and traumas that a lot of adults have repressed and kind of helps bring that out and brings you back to your child self. And I think that's something that's beautiful that I'd like to point out too with being being in the world of creativity and, and looking into art therapy and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, this is Eli, and thank you for having uh, um, all of us on. Uh, one of the things that really, really stuck out to me is what uh, Mama was saying about, um, you know, that your work, you, you should find creativity in everywhere that you go, but you don't want to burn yourself out. And so, you know, you need to kind of, not that you need to separate, but it's good to separate, like, your your creative passions and, and you know, your hustle. <laughs> Not everything has to fulfill you completely. I, I know this is, um, I, I want to say thank you. Um, this is Lama. Um, I do want to say it, it is a journey, and, and we're all we're all figuring things out. And um, I, I, I think it's just that we experience different things along the way, and, um, you know, when we, I, I think it's great that we've, have, and I'm still figuring, I mean, we're all figuring it out. I, we have these, you know, we're encouraged a little bit more now than in the past that we can, you know, make it with, with our own creative passion. And but there can also be a pressure with that too. And so if it's something that feels like it's a pressure, you know, and then, and that takes the fun away from it, then that might not be the way to go for now, but that isn't, it just isn't the question of how to balance it. But no matter what the situation or, or how it goes, I, I hope that, you know, that something, you know, some things can be fulfilling in, in different ways. It's just that even if it's not how we envision it now, um, no matter what the situation is, I, I would just wish for everyone to find, you know, find the space and the place to pres- not just preserve, but to where you can embrace that joy and, and go for it and not worry about what anybody else has to say and just do what feels right for you. And if, if there's anything that feels like a pressure that would take that fun away and, 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 not, and, and lose that, which, you know, made you go for it in the first place, you know, then, then that would work. Like that would, I would encourage them like a, a change of action, but that's just from, from like what I'm, I'm learning and there's still a long way to go. But um, I just hope that, that there's always a space and a place and a time where you can keep your joy and not let anybody take that from you. Absolutely. And then since I'm here, I do want to say um, I, I really, really appreciate everything that everyone has shared today. And there's a lot that, that I want to sit with and, and think about. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for what everyone has shared from, from, different, from different walks and places. And I really like Jamila's definition of creativity in relation to movement with it being a dance of the soul. That's something that really spoke to me because I'm trying to get myself to, to embrace of the movement and in my own creativity. I, I really appreciate also about, um, about creativity and, and education and, and also the, the discussion about in relation to creative block and recovery and healing. And I, yeah, just kind of thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah, thank you as well. Uh, this is Jess. I really enjoyed uh, being here today and learning from the panel. And um, one thing that resonated with me was definitely the need for public arts. Um, I used to teach in a community college, and about 80% of my students were below the poverty line. So they had never been to a museum or a gallery before they sat in my classroom. And um, many of them were under this impression that only rich people went to museums. And even for, the, uh, for those who thought that museums were for everybody, many of them worked two jobs, three jobs. Many of them were parents, and they just didn't have the time. But when art is on buildings or bus shelters or on street corners, people see them every single day. They see these artifacts every single day. Um, and on their way to work, on their way to school, um, it's free. And um, so that regular exposure, absolutely, um, you know, yes. Museums and galleries are fine, but um, don't neglect the public space. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, 
So that's been everybody, correct? Did everyone get a chance to answer the last question? I did answer something real quick. Okay. This is Carmen. Okay, um, I, I really like what, uh, I think it was Kendra who made the point about creativity is the blueprint and uh, innovation is the action. I think that's how she worded it. I, I really like that idea that um, it's actually like a clearer way of saying the, the kind of point I was making about, and, and I like that, um, a number of people compared creativity to soul, that we were all on that, that wavelength of acknowledging that it's not just this, you know, idea of, you know, making things or being clever or whatever, but that creativity is that is the soul. It's like a, you know, like, kind of like the spiritual core that gives, like, the life spark of, of any, you know, any output that anybody makes. So it's a drawing, a speech, um, educating somebody or a product or whatever. I, I like that. So thank you everybody for, for those ideas. Thank you everyone for sharing today. Um, this was absolutely beautiful and I love yeah. how we all looked at creativity from different perspectives and how it goes beyond than just simply the arts. It goes into like the critical thinking, looking at, at the bigger picture. Um, well done everyone. Thank you so much. This was really good. Yeah, um, I just got a couple thoughts. Um, I love the the what everyone said. What stood out to me is how a lot of adults, do, you know, and I've seen it. It's like, oh, I'm not creative. And I recently saw on YouTube a commercial for Edutopia, and what they said that they like to do is they like to have less graded assignments, and that just really took me aback because we grow up with every little thing being graded so much rather than just being guided. And that puts this fear of if I step outside the lines, if I step outside the box, then I'm going to fail. And I think creativity really does take the ability of trying and failing and really not seeing failing as failing, but as a lesson. And that just, I think in every subject, whether it's STEM or the arts just makes things so much better. And, I think that that's a very revolutionary way of doing education in this day and age. I think it's something that other countries like uh, have been doing forever, such as Finland, Ghana. I mean, they've been doing education that way for a long time. And the second thing I think is that creativity is a form of freedom. And I think that um, certain countries, United States in particular, kind of robs that for, robs that of us, and it angers me. And um, whether it's by political party or just just a, just a solution to a problem to make people's lives better, I, I think that we really really need to continue to have these type of conversations because creativity truly is a form of freedom that we need. Because if you don't have the you don't have the power, the the democratic power to um, create choices, you know, it's not just being able to make choices, but to create choices, create the means of production, basically then you're not really free. So that's just my, my two cents on it. I appreciate everyone just sharing their experiences and being so in-depth. And uh, Clarity, you got anything to say? I just have to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for taking the time out today and sharing your perspectives with creativity. And if you're all comfortable, um, I would love to actually link all of your work in our description box so that way people know about all of your projects as well um, because podcasting is in the world of form of creativity mm -hmm. and I think what really for me personally that I've come to realize especially since 2020 and even a little bit before that but 2020 put a big shed light on that is um, how much it's important to create that sense of community because that's what's really going to make people successful. And I was thinking a lot about that lately, about what is the secret to success. And a lot of people would say, believe in yourself, believe in your dreams and all that, which is good and it's, it's legit. But I think also we should really focus a lot on that community aspect, is that when you have something creative, something that is wonderful, and you got a lot of people to back you up and it's like, we love this, that's going to really create that success. So if there's any way that we as Third Paradigm can help out all of you with your projects, by all means, please let us know that. Yes, please. So thank you again. Thank you so much for being here today, everyone. Thank you, Clarity and Yorks, for hosting.
Yes. Yay. All right. And next, yep, and next week is the beginning of Black History Month. And we're going to kind of segue to a specific form of creativity. Uh, Clarity, what, what we got next week going on? Next week, we have a topic. Um, let's see. Next week, we are going to be diving into, well, we have online dating that's actually going to come up for our Valentine's Day special. And then the first part of our Untold Black History series we're going to be launching for the month of February is representation in video games, anime, and in comic books. So talking about creativity kind of segued us into that topic. So stay tuned for that one. Yes, yes. Looking forward to that. So thank you all again for coming, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Thank you all.